Let's go ahead and pray this morning, and we'll get into this message today. Father, thank you for this opportunity now to study your word. We ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive. Lord, teach us what we don't know. Show us those things we don't see, and, uh, and help us to live God-honoring lives every day of our lives. Thank you for your help today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There was a pastoral search committee at this church. They were looking for a new pastor, and they came back with their report, and I've got a copy of that report right here. They said, we do not have a happy report to give. We've not been able to find a suitable candidate for this church, uh, though we have one promising prospect still. We do appreciate all the suggestions from the church members and we've followed up each one with interviews or calling at least three references. The following is our confidential report on the present candidates. Adam, good man, but problems with his wife. Also, reference told of how his wife and he enjoy walking naked in the woods. Noah, former pastorate of 120 years with no converts. Uh, prone to unrealistic building projects. <laughs> Abraham, uh, though the references reported wife swapping, the facts seemed to show he never slept with another man's wife, but did offer to share his own wife with another man. <laughs> Joseph, uh, big thinker, but a braggart, believes in interpreting dreams and has a prison record. <laughs> Moses, uh, a modest and meek man, but poor communicator, even stuttering at times. Sometimes blows his stack and acts rashly. Some say he left an earlier church over a murder charge. <laughs> David, the most promising leader of all, till we discovered the affair he had with his neighbor's wife. Solomon, great preacher, but our parsonage would never hold all those wives. Uh, Elijah, prone to depression, collapses under pressure. Elisha, reported to have lived with a single widow while at his former church. Uh, Hosea, a tender and loving pastor, uh, but our people could never handle his wife's occupation. <laughs> Isaiah, on the fringe, claims to have seen angels in church, has trouble with his language. Uh, Jonah refused God's call into ministry until he was forced to obey by getting swallowed up by a great fish. He told us the fish later spit him out on the shore near here. We hung up. John says he's a Baptist, and he definitely doesn't dress like one, uh, has slept in the outdoors for months on end and has a weird diet and provokes denominational leaders. Peter, too blue-collar, has a bad temper and has even been known to curse, uh, had a big run-in with Paul in Antioch, aggressive but a loose cannon. Paul powerful CEO type leader and fascinating preacher, however, short on tact, unforgiving with younger ministers, uh, harsh, and has been known to preach all night. <laughs> Timothy, too young and has stomach problems. Uh, there's Jesus. Jesus has had popular times, but once when his church grew to 5,000, he managed to offend all of them, all of them and his church dwindled down to 12. Seldom stays in one place very long, and of course, he's single. Uh, Judas, Judas has 
solid references. He's a steady plotter, conservative, good connections, knows how to handle money. Uh, we're inviting, inviting him to preach this Sunday. Possibilities here. <laughs> All right. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and let's read verse 27, 127, it says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want you to notice that that language there, striving together. I believe that we are called as the body of Christ to work together, to be co-laborers together working for eternity. And I say that not necessarily in with the mindset, although it's true, of all Christians around the globe. Uh, in relationship to our local church, God has called you and me to work together, that we both have a part to play in God's plan for our lives, for His work here in the church, for our outreaches, for everything this church represents in our community. God has called us to do these things together. There is a misconception among many in the body of Christ at large, that uh, when a person goes to a church, they, their assignment, their job is to attend, to receive from messages that are taught, you know, to watch what takes place in the service, while God calls a select few to actually do something. God calls a few to minister, and others are on the receiving end of that ministry. All right? You hear how I preface, prefaced that? That is a wrong understanding of what the church is really about. Okay? What God has called us to, we should have in mind more of a teamwork frame, frame of mind. God has called the body of Christ to be a team that works together. If anything, those like myself who are called as a leader in the body of Christ, as a pastor or another ministry gift, we would be more likened unto a coach that prepares the team, equips the team, you know, motivates the team to go be successful on the field. Many times people think this is the field, but rather this is the locker room. And what we're doing here today during our time is getting prepared and equipped and built up and stirred up and fired up so that we can go out of the locker room onto the playing field and make a difference in the world. And the idea, again, that, you know, the average Christian, they're, you know, they come to church to cheer on the star player, the pastor. That's really incorrect. All right. Sometimes people have the idea that, you know, if we stay with the sports analogy, that they are one of the fans and the ministers, the 
pastors and teachers and evangelists, they're the players. But how many understand, scripturally speaking, if you really want to be a fan, you have to die. According to the book of Hebrews, those who are in the grandstands watching and cheering on those who are in the games are those who have already died and have gone to heaven. Everybody with me today? Uh, I think some are thinking, I thought I was just going to be cheer you on and do good. <laughs> You're not supposed to ride the pine. Not supposed to be a bench warmer, as they call. I know growing up playing sports, we never wanted to sit on the bench. I mean, you didn't want to sit there and watch the rest of your team. <laughs> I mean, you wanted to be in the game. You wanted to hit the ball. You wanted to be a part of the action. But now, I think sometimes in the body of Christ, people have taken the mindset that, uh, that that's a good thing. That's a good thing if I sit back and kind of cheer on and just I sit back and watch everyone play the game. No, no, no. You need to die if you want to hold that position. And really, don't. <laughs> Better thing, receive good coaching and get in the game and let God use you because that's his plan and that's his purpose for the church today. And as a team player, understand this, that sometimes you must do what needs to be done and not necessarily what you feel like doing. I'm giving, I'm pausing on purpose to give you a chance to respond. Uh, the Lord wants us to have that mindset in our lives that we're in this thing together. We're going to be together forever, but now we've got something to do. We've got some goals to accomplish and some visions to see come to pass. And He wants us to be involved in this and not just being spectators. Okay, everybody ready now? All right, this is a different kind of message this morning. And uh, I want to be real practical because of what the Lord has put on my heart to share. And my title or my subject is this, How to Help Your Pastor. How to Help Your Pastor. We are working together. At least that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? Uh, we're, we're to be working together and affecting and impacting lives for eternity. And so as I speak to you today, again on a practical level, um, I might use the third person, not referring directly to myself, but I obviously know what I do, okay? But I have others on my staff, other pastors on my staff that assist, and they, they are definitely included in, in this type of um, guidance and coaching here today. And so here we go. If you've got something to write on, get something out, uh, get a pen out, write, on, uh, write down these points and some of the scriptures I give to you today, and I believe it will help us work together okay number one number one if you want to help your pastor be a good follower be a good follower all right Philippians chapter 3 you're right there real close and notice with me in verse 17 Philippians 3 17 brethren join in following my example whose example my, that would be Paul in this case. Paul said, follow my example. Someone said, don't you mean follow the Lord's example? Yes. 
Second Thessalonians, take a, take a right turn over there. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction, let's see. Let me go to Second Thessalonians with you. Verse 7, that did not sound right. All right. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow what? Us. For we were not disorderly among you. Notice he said, you are to follow us. People, someone said, well, I'm just going to follow the Lord. I just want to follow the Lord. I don't want to follow any person. You won't actually be able to follow the Lord without following people. It's just one of those things that God has set up. It's the way that he does things. He leads people with people. He works in an individual's life and causes and draws others to follow that person. Now, not to the exclusion of the Lord, but following the Lord through that person. Okay? And obviously, if one follows a person too close, then they... You know, then they mimic all their errors and everything else, their mistakes, and we don't want that. But God did set it up that we be followers. Some see that as a negative. I don't want to be a follower. Well, I'm not saying don't be a leader, but I am saying be a follower. I get concerned of the, with those who say, I'm a leader, I don't follow. I just want to be in charge. I just want to call the shots. I don't want to follow anybody else. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to follow a leader who doesn't know how to follow. I don't want to follow someone who wants authority but will not submit to authority. Know what I'm talking about? Okay. This is God has called us all. He put us in a body, put us in a family. He made us a team. But we are to follow leadership. And if I want to be a good help to a pastor, I've got to learn how to be a good follower. Other examples in the book of Hebrews, for example, and 2 Timothy, Hebrews 13, 2 Timothy 3, we are told to follow, Paul wrote, my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. He gave examples of all these things. He said, follow this, what you see in me, follow these things in me. All right, so, so why don't I just follow Jesus? Because you can't see Jesus. Why were they writing to them and saying, follow us? Because the Lord wasn't visible to them. They couldn't go to Pastor Jesus' church. You know what I'm talking about? They couldn't just follow him. They needed someone physical there. They needed someone on the earth that they could follow. And it's a biblical principle and a truth that all believers should get a hold of, that they follow people. Amen. Everybody with me today? All right. Let me know every once in a while if you're still there. I got lights and I can't see you. All right, I can see you a little bit. Okay. Now, again, this is not something we should take as a negative, but are there some people in churches today that are not good followers? There really are. Some, they just kind of got that maverick mentality, and I'm just going to do my own thing, my own time, my own way. Uh, that's a problem. That's real hard to work with. You understand? That's real hard for the Lord to get anything accomplished through because they won't function and cooperate with others and follow leadership and, and follow a vision. And 
you know, again, some are just intent on doing their own thing and not following leadership, but that's, uh, that's a negative trait. We need to learn to be a good follower. Uh, sometimes people might ask the question in their own lives, well, what would the, they have a decision to make? They might ask, instead of just what would Jesus do, well, what would the, what would the leadership of my life do? Because where that helps is sometimes that's something they can see. That's something that they can visualize more than just the words on the page of, of Jesus' life. Obviously, he's the greatest and final example in all circumstances. Uh, but, but I've spoken with some over the years who have come into a relationship with God and have been filled with the Spirit, living the supernatural life, believing in the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God and miracles in their life. And they've come to that knowledge and understanding um, but in talking to him, and this is just not one example. I've heard this uh, on a few different occasions. But then when you talk to them and say, well, where are you going to church? And they say, well, I'm going to church over here. And they name their church. And it's a, it's a, a church that doesn't believe any of the things that, that they've come to understand. Maybe they grew up there, but then through a friend or a relative, they came into what we sometimes call full gospel message and they came into a fullness of the spirit walk in their life but they're still involved and they still commit to this group in this church that doesn't believe or teach any of these things and my question is always why <laughs> why i mean what don't, wouldn't you want to associate with those who can flow with you you know can help you in the spirit-filled life wouldn't wouldn't that be better and here's something here, here's what i'm getting to my point in this is Many times someone will stay parked in a situation like that because they want to change that church. It's their desire. They want to change that pastor. They want, and sometimes with a good motive, they've experienced some incredible things. They're like, yeah, this is amazing. I want my pastor to have this too. I want God to ha you know, send revival to this church. I want this to be spread through all the people that I love and care for. The thing is, they can stay there for year after year after year after year and never change it. Why? And I'm telling them they're not going to. Only thing they could potentially do if they push hard enough, there'll be a problem and maybe split it. But they're not going to change it. That's not the way the church was set up to work. That the pastor follows the sheep. The shepherd follows the sheep. It's just, it's just never going to work that way. And maybe some are disappointed in here because you've been trying to change me. But <laughs> so say, what, what, should that, what should that person do uh, in that situation? I think they should continue to pray for them and leave. Yeah. Don't be a problem. Go among those who are on the same page there, who see, have the revelation that you have, and let God take you on where you can be an asset, a benefit to the team, instead of a weight on the team because the team is going in a totally different direction. Everybody with me today? In other words, again, God didn't set this thing up where the leadership would come from the pew. Okay. Now, again, if some take that as a negative... Do we need leaders in the church? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not saying be a good follower, don't be a leader. No, I would prefer everybody be a leader. 
Because in reality, we are in life to some extent in different circumstances and, and, and various capacities. But there is a need for all of us, whether we're a leader or not, and we, again, all can be, uh, to be a good follower. Okay, everybody good? All right, number two. Number two, how can you help your pastor commit to the vision? Number two, commit to the vision. When vision is cast each week to walk in and walk out the plan of God for your life, be committed to do it. Be committed to do it. Every time we share a message on a particular subject, it's to this end that people see it and then see themselves living it. Whether we're talking about walking in love, see it and do it. Whether we're talking about walking in divine health, walking in God's provision and abundance for your life. You see it, you commit to it and say, yeah, that's me from here on out. I see that. That's the Word of God. And I'm going to have that in my life. One of the most frustrating things in a pastor's life is to pour his guts into somebody and they won't act on it. Very frustrating. Happens both on an individual, personal level. You know, in a one-on-one setting, someone comes for help, and you give it to them, do this, you need to adjust this area, and they don't do it. They fall on their face, sometimes blame you. But it can be a very frustrating thing, but it it happens in churches. It happens in services. Guess it's probably happened here before. Hate to class us with everybody else, you know. Uh, and I'm just kidding about that, by the way. But it happens in churches regularly where vision is cast and the Word of God is taught and preached. And people say, that was nice. That was good. Should give a good shout, amen. Got a, maybe got a notebook full of notes and, and uh, have got some good stuff. But then nothing ever changes. Nothing ever gets acted upon. And that's a very frustrating thing to a pastor. To pray and hear from God and nothing changes. And I realize that might be an over-exaggeration because I'm not saying typically that nothing changes anywhere with anyone. But a good person who wants to help what's happening, they're committing to the vision. And they're going to act on something. I have this notion sometimes, call me crazy, that if I... That if, if there's an, an area lacking in people's lives, I could teach on it, and I could present the truth, and that would be sufficient. <laughs> I got this idea that people are actually going to be doers of the Word, and not hearers only. Unfortunately, that produces frustration in me at times. I think even, I remember writing a newsletter a few months ago, and, uh, and I was praying about what to write, because I don't want to just take up paper for no reason. And, uh, and I'm praying about what the message was and what I should write in that newsletter and send out to everybody. And, and, uh, and I thought, cool, this is going to be great. This, is, this was, this was a, you know, they're small and they're short, but this was a good, succinct message. This is gonna, I'm going to see this this next Sunday in everyone's life. Well, we mail the newsletter out, you know, a little bit later than when I write it. But, uh, and I didn't see anything. Remember, here's an example. I wrote that one. This is what I was thinking of when I said that uh, on how to impact others. And be an inf- and a positive influence on other people who come to our services. I gave you three things. Come, cur- c- come first, come friendly, and come full. 
I just had the idea that that was going to happen right away. <laughs> Junk. <laughs> I guess I need to write it again. <laughs> but what I'm talking about is people actually taking serious the vision, the message of the church. Because again, with this in mind, we're team players. It's about the efforts and it's about what the team has set out to accomplish. If we each have that in mind, it changes us from thinking, well, this is what I want, this is what I do. Everybody's really quiet today. <laughs> I can be funnier. <laughs> All right, as long as you're with me. Okay. <laughs> number three. Let's go on to number three. How can you help your pastor? Don't be hurt if he's not your best friend or you don't get to spend much personal time with him. Don't be hurt if he's not your best friend or you don't get to spend much personal time with him. I remember uh, hearing from a, a couple, a family, who had been in church, and this was their concern. They didn't want to continue with our church because what they said was, Every time we talk to the pastor, it's pretty much, hey, how you doing? How, you know, have a great week. Good to see you. See you next time. And they said, that's about as deep as our relationship with the pastor ever was, you know, saying hi and bye after a service. And apparently they wanted in-depth conversation and a lot of, you know, close relationship, and they said, well, we heard the pastor was shy, so maybe that's it. And I don't know. But what I'm saying is their expectation was wrong. Not from the standpoint that as a pastor that I am not willing or interested in getting to know people on a deeper level. I'm just restrained by time. I'm restrained by brain power. I'm restrained by, you know, the, the, the fact that there, you know, any pastor, unless they've got a real, you know, small, tiny church, is dealing with hundreds or thousands of people. And it's just not uh, realistic for someone to expect, I'm going to be in a close relationship with the pastor. That may happen, it may not happen, probably not. Uh, understand this from my perspective just you know I know I'm speaking third person here most of the time but here I am uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm friends with everyone in our church to a to a degree everyone, you know I like everybody I mean mostly I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I enjoy I'm seriously and would, would love but sometimes you know people want to I want a real deep relationship well I can't promise you that all right. Sometimes I'll get invited out for dinner at people's house, homes, and sometimes there's just not time available. And people shouldn't take it personally. But here's what we should recognize. The purpose of our relationship. You see, the Lord didn't talk to Amy and I about moving to Boise and starting a church and say, I'm going to send you there, and you are going to have so many friends. Well, why would he do that? 
the reason he sent us here was to pastor. Now, you can have friends, and friends are valuable and important. We love friends, and, you know, we love everyone in the church. And, and in one sense, we call everyone our friends. Yeah, but the purpose for our relationship is a pastoral relationship. In other words, God put something in me and in those who help and assist me. He put something in me that you need. And I don't say that prideful. I say that with all humility. I, it's not just about me as a human being. It's about a call. It's about the gift of God, and God designed it this way, and He sent us here so we could be your pastor. That is the main relationship that we must hold up top, okay? If, if you as an individual, and, and, and Amy and I never spend great hours on a personal level, level where we vacation or something together, there's really nothing wrong with that, right? But if we if the level of our relationship was strictly friendship, there is something wrong with that. Because that's not the purpose we're in each other's lives. The purpose is kingdom business. All right, Many people have lots of friends. Friends that live around you, friends that work with you, friends you hang out with. But they're not your pastor. They serve a purpose in your life, but it's not the same as being having an anointing from God to lead, to feed, to direct, to protect, to do these things in a believer's life. God is the way He designed us and the, the way He uh, designed the new covenant that we live in, the New Testament, is that we all have that. We all need that. Okay, and so don't be hurt by that. Amen. And like, you know, are we saying, am I saying that we don't want any contact. Well, that's dumb. I mean, I want to be with all kindness, that's dumb. Uh, we do. We're always available. Uh, we're, we're available. Uh, I don't want to cover a different point here, but uh, we're, we're available, you know, after services to shake hands and say hi to people. And, and again, sometimes people don't realize that, you know, there's just a limited amount of time there. And, uh, and and that that should that should be recognized. I remember years ago we were having a barbecue, and uh, and I was we were all hanging out and and I was talking with a group of people that were sitting down. I was just standing over there. We were having a little conversation. Come to find out, a uh, few weeks later, few weeks later, by some 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 guy who was just so aggravated, so upset with me, and not nice, <laughs> uh, because I talked to everyone there but him. I didn't even know that I didn't talk to him. You know, I talked to a few different people, and apparently I didn't address him specifically, and he was offended at that. I think, really, is that why you're here? I mean, is that why you come to church here? So I can address you as an individual, and if I don't, you're mad? That's immature. All right, I'll go on since you're not having very much fun with that one. Uh, number, number four. Oh, and I want to say this. This is part, still part of this. I got to hurry up, don't I? I'm extending this service long. Uh, the way that a pastor pastors the people primarily is in this setting. It's not where, well, if I'm really pastor, that means I got a lot of one-on-one -on -one appointments. Not necessarily, but a lot of times people don't need that. Uh, God is pastoring you 
the great shepherd is pastoring you through me when we have services like this, bringing wisdom and counsel and direction. And if a person can be spiritual and look for God to minister to them, they'll get so many answers and so much help in situations like this. Okay, here we go. Number four. Number four, if you want to help your pastor, let him have a personal life. Let him have a personal life. Many people who enter ministry as a full-time thing in their life, as a pastor or an evangelist or something like that, don't finish in ministry. There are many, many people that are dropping off like flies these days, people who serve the Lord in full-time ministry, but get burned out and blown out and burned up, and at one, they come to a point where they want to do anything else but be around people. All right, and they, some of the reason, not to be all inclusive in explaining that right now, but some of the reason is they don't have a personal life. They put way too many hours in. They work themselves so hard that after a few years or maybe after a 10 years or 20 years, they just can't do it anymore. And there's nothing left there. And it is my intention to give my life. This October will be 20 years. I'm not even, I feel like I haven't even started yet. Seriously, and uh, but I intend to not be done. It's like, oh man, I I can't stand this anymore. And I don't mean I've never had days. <laughs> Lord, this would be easy if it weren't for the people. <laughs> I don't mean there's not days, but as a overarching principle, I want to be in this for the long haul. Okay, and it would help. It helps. A pastor, if people allow them to have a personal life, not have some kind of expectation that they got to work 80 hours a week, be on, on call 24-7, know what I'm talking about? And I don't mean, I'm not talking about in emergency situations. Pastors are available in, in emergencies at all times. And, uh, but people do need to recognize that side, that I will not sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. And uh, we're going to be here a long, long time, so get used to us. Okay, all right, number five, number five, allow him, if you want to help your pastor, allow him to be human. Allow him to be human. Some have unrealistic expectations of perfection and are stunned by any sign of humanity. But we need to realize God calls normal people to be pastors and to do, do various things. And when it comes to a pastor like myself, you should understand that the way you see me now and how I'm speaking, I'm at my best. Say, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't mean this is the best message I've ever taught. <laughs> Might be. Uh, but I'm saying when I'm operating in my gift and my call, I'm at my best. If people have some expectation that a, a pastor you know, floats above the ground and, and never has any kind of wrong thought or idea or just, you know, never gets frustrated with traffic like you do or, or, or whatever you might, you might think of, that's, that's just incorrect, okay? Uh, a pastor or any minister does not have an anointing to live above any average believer, all right? I'm anointed to teach and to pastor and to do the things that God has called me to do. But I'm not anointed to live my life any more than anyone who's never 
preached a message or anything like that. As soon as I step, as soon as I take off the microphone, <laughs> I'm just like you. Know what I'm saying? Figuratively speaking, when I'm not flowing in a gift, I'm a Christian. Now, that's not a negative. We are powerful children of God, anointed by His Spirit. I'm, saying, I'm just saying it's the same between every person and, and, and a pastor. And so uh, it would help if people allow a pastor to be human. Amen. Not, not an excuse, by the way. Not an excuse for a double life. Not saying it would be okay for a pastor to be dynamic and exciting and what a godly example in the pulpit, but then go home and live like the world. I understand what I'm not saying in that, in that point. Let me give you number six. This is, this is kind of the opposite of that. Uh, number six, show respect. Show respect. Some don't have any issue at all with number five. In fact, that's all they see is the human side of a pastor. And so they go way on the other extreme, and they don't have any respect because all they know him as is, yeah, that's, that, that's just that guy. You know, I know him. I see him out at the mall on the golf course, and you know, I've seen him make mistakes or get upset or something like that. And they lose respect for the position for the call and the anointing. If a person does that, then that really jeopardizes this relationship. Because if a person were to see me as a pastor as nothing special in regards to God's touch, nothing special, just another person with a few ideas and, and uh, he's got the goal to get up there and talk, well, then you're not going to receive from God. That ministry is cut off in your life, and I'm just your neighbor then. Understand what, understand, what, understand what I'm talking about? Jesus had that problem when he went to his hometown over there in Mark chapter 6, and, uh, and we've got to avoid that, and so we don't want to fail to recognize the call and the anointing and the place in God's kingdom, all right? A, a scripture along those lines is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12. I'll just read it to you real quick from the Amplified Bible. It says, now also we beseech you, brethren, get to know those who labor among you. Recognize them for what they are. Acknowledge and appreciate and respect them all, your leaders who are over you in the Lord and those who warn and kindly reprove and exhort you. And so that's the word of the Lord. You've got to recognize them, recognize their place, and that helps you to receive from that. Okay, here we go, number seven. Number seven, of 38. <laughs> Just kidding. But we got a bunch left, so stay with me now. Everybody ready? Number seven, don't dump on him before, the, before a service. Don't dump on him. If you want to help your pastor, don't dump on him before a service. Uh, we like to be around the staff and everyone, we like to be around. We greet people other than, you know, I may get out 10 minutes before the service and go focus on, on praying and so forth. But, uh, but if you come early, we're around to say hi. But it's just not a good idea to go to a pastor before a service and let him know all your troubles. Not because he doesn't care. It's just he doesn't want that on his mind right now. And I'm telling you, you don't want that on his mind right before he's preaching for multiple reasons now okay one he need he, you want him to be focused 
to be singled in and focused in on, on what the Spirit of God is saying and doing at that time. Two, if you don't tell him, it might come out in the service anyway, and then you'll know it was God. But if you told him right ahead of time, and then it came out, you're thinking, oh, I can't believe he said that. <laughs> He's telling my business. But seriously, uh, from a teaching perspective, at least the way I operate, I try to get focused up here. I try to get my mind, and, and I'm, again, I stay available to shake hands. I love to say hi to people, and always after the service, we're, we're out shaking hands and saying hi to people and, and, and love to do that. And before service, we do that to a limited degree. But at times when I've had situations, and many pastors have, where someone just kind of oh, unloads on you right before the service, and then you're carrying that up to the pulpit. You know what I'm talking about? And you're trying to stay focused and ministering to everyone, but oh, that one person. It's like, ah, oh, don't do that. That's just not good. And say, so what, what if I have just an immediate need? Might not be as <laughs> uh, serious as you think. But, if, you know, if so, we have other pastors around. And if they're not speaking or ministering in particular that day, you might be able to talk with them for a few minutes. But really the best scenario is that you call and make an appointment. And we have time during the week. And we have manpower for that very purpose for those who are really struggling with something and need to talk something out, get some uh, biblical counsel and some wise guidance in their life. Amen? Okay, number eight. Number eight, this is an easy one. I'm sure you all do this already, but I'm going to tell you anyway. If you want to help your pastor, pray for him. Pray for him. Ephesians 6.19, Paul said to pray for him. He said, pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may stand, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Someone said, Pastor, how can I pray for you? You could do that. That would help. Pray that I have utterance, that God would fill my mouth with words, that when I speak, it's bold as a lion, and it comes out powerfully. Why is that helpful? It's helpful to you if I'm doing well. Well, your pa- if your pastor is full of faith and the Word and walking in the blessing of God and living in more than enough, that's all going to come out in your life. It's going to come out in the pulpit. You don't really want to listen to and sit under a pastor who's just dragging through life. You really don't. I mean, that idea that people had years ago, and I guess some, some hold on to it today, but you know how in the old days... Uh, churches that were oftentimes run by boards and stuff they would always try to keep their pastor poor that was one of their philosophies lord keep them lord you keep them humble we'll keep them poor and and here was all these other people in the church trying to get a leg up and be successful in life they wanted to be out of debt and and live in abundance and all this stuff yet they want to listen to someone who's in poverty every week dumb Can you say dumb? He can't lead you anywhere. Anyway, pray. That's the point. Pray for him. The better off your pastor is doing, the better off you'll be because he'll have something to give. All right. Number nine. Number nine. Stand up for his integrity. Stand up for his integrity. If people are speaking against him, set the record straight. Many of you know this. Some of you may be in leadership capacities in various areas of your life. Oftentimes, leaders become targets. And people say things they shouldn't say. They lie and they do wrong things. What should you do if you want to help your pastor? Shut them up. 
Amen. Amen. And I don't mean, I'm not saying this because, uh, you know, like there's a big problem with it. I'm feeling attacked. I'm not. You know, someone asked me after the first service, so why'd you talk about that? So, <laughs> I said, because the Lord put it on my heart. I wrote this right in the middle of the last series. <laughs> in the middle of studying for the last series, on the same page. It was on my notes. Uh, anyway, I remember teaching a series years ago. You know, we're on TV. And uh, I taught a series years ago on submission and authority. And I, I did with that series, like I do with a lot of series, it was several weeks. And I, got, I remember getting this note from some person who doesn't come to our church saying, what's wrong in your church? <laughs> you got a lot of, why do you keep teaching on this over and over again? You know, week after week. It's like, dude, don't assume you know everything. <laughs> then he went out, went on to point out the scriptures that I missed. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did use. It just didn't show up on television. Pride is really ugly. Really stinky. Anyway, I didn't mean to get off on all that. I, I forgot my point now. What was my point? Stand up for his integrity. Yeah. Again, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying... We don't have a bunch of blabber mouths around here. At least it's not getting back to me. <laughs> not yet. Uh, but, it, but if you encounter someone who's speaking against your pastor, what should you do? You should, you should say, that's not right. That's not true. And uh, say, what if I don't know if it is true? Then you don't know me. You don't know your pastor. And if it really is something you have a question about, it's called, say, hey, you sure about that? I don't think that's right. Why don't we go talk to him and find out? And just stop all that, because that's how the devil works. Gets into relationships, brings a, a, a wedge and divides people. And oftentimes it's, it's concerning things that are not true. And, uh, and I remember uh, uh, this individual that, that was with us a while, a while back, this, this family. And we hadn't seen him for a while. And, and, uh, and, and Pastor Allen talked to him. And they said, well, we heard that the church does this and the, the, this is, the church kind of operates this way. And, and it was a bunch of stuff that wasn't even true because they had stopped coming and he had had a conversation with them. And I thought, well, that's interesting. The enemy drove you away with something that wasn't true. I mean, it wasn't a rational choice. It wasn't, I see the truth and I've made this decision. It was, I see something false and I'm because of that. All right, here we go. Number 10. Number 10. Uh, don't let little things bug you continually. You can help your pastor by not letting little things bug you continually. We all have preferences. We've got, all got ideas. We've all got uh, personality things. Sometimes people let little things bug them, and they can't let it go. Can't stand the way the worship team dresses. <laughs> or... Would they just change this? Would someone deal with this? Why do they always have to do this? And they're not really major issues. They're just personal preferences. But people get caught up with little things and therefore cut off the rest of the ministry from their life. Because while God's wanting to do something powerful and change their life, they're thinking about this little thing. They're just so bugged by this. You know what I'm talking about? I can think of a lot of little illustrations, but I don't have... I'm not getting a lot of feedback on this, but, uh, but here's, what, here's what I'm saying. I understand that to a degree because I can be picky about some stuff. There are things that drive me up the wall <laughs> if I let them. Huh? But I need to recognize 
And I'm in a position, of course, in the church where if I don't like it, I should change it. Uh, but I should recognize how some things are way down on the scale and keep the main thing the main thing. And I don't want you to let some little quirky thing that I do or, or someone else in the church into where you come and you're always annoyed by it. And you're driving out of the parking lot. They did that again. It's so stupid. <laughs> Why don't they just knock that off? I like this way. Well, so what? We're in as a team, and there might be little things that aren't altogether your preference, but that's not the main reason we exist. We're a family. You ever had a spat with a brother or sister? Okay, number 11. Everybody ready? Avoid anonymous notes. If you want to help your pastor, avoid anonymous notes. Say, do we get anonymous notes here? We do from time to time. Not not a ton. Time to time we get anonymous notes. And part of me wants to just throw them away. Not even look at them. Just because, what's the deal? Why don't you put your name on it? This is not so bad. If something's a legitimate concern, why do you hide? If you want to write notes, notes are good. We like ideas, suggestions, input. Even if it's not a positive, don't be afraid. They're going to think I'm a complainer. Well, if you are, stop complaining. (laughs) Who cares what someone thinks you are? It matters what you are, not what someone thinks you are. But if someone has a legitimate idea or concern, we're not opposed to that. You need to believe that your pastor loves you, cares for you, you're important, you're valuable. What you think is important and valuable. So avoid the anonymous notes. Sheesh. <laughs> Number 12. All right, here we go. I got two more. I've actually got more, but I'm going to give you two more. <laughs> Number 12. Don't expect him to remember everything about you and your previous conversations. Don't expect your pastor to remember everything about you in your previous conversations. Again, this is just a logistics deal. This is a numbers thing. There's just a lot of conversations that happen, and it doesn't mean that any individual is not important or not special or not valuable. It's just there's only so much hard drive space. And sometimes you're loading everything into your random access memory, (laughs) and you've got to clear something out, and it might have been you. Might have been your story or the or the situation that happened three weeks ago or four months ago and you think it's fresh in our minds. Never take it as an insult or like it's a lack of importance. It's just, uh, again, it's just the reality of how these things work. And, and that even that's even true with counseling sessions. You know, just because someone had a counseling session with the pastor three months ago does not mean that when they see them, that's on their mind. And when they say hi to you at church, that they're thinking, man, you got problems, don't you? <laughs> it could be likely they don't even remember it. I mean, maybe could draw it back if they really gave thought to it. But over the years, I, I know I've met with people years ago, and you could ask me today, I'd probably say I didn't even meet with you. I don't even remember. I mean, there's just been so many things happened between then and now. You know what I'm talking about? It's not an insult. In fact, actually can work in the positive. Sometimes, because I don't know if you know this, but sometimes people leave churches because they unloaded on a pastor, and now they've got to see him every week. And they're thinking, I can't be around him. He knows all my stuff. Actually, he'll forget. <laughs> not because you're not important. 
you don't realize you're not the only one with problems. There's lots of stuff going on. All right, number 13. Number 13, don't judge him by what another pastor has done. If you want to help your pastor, don't judge him by what another pastor has done. This works both in the positive and in the negative. Okay, in the negative sense, sometimes there are those who have been hurt by a pastor's wrongdoing. Someone's been abusive in some way or uh, immoral in some way, and they were hurt by that. They were disappointed. They were discouraged. And so they get involved with a new church, and they think that pastor's a scoundrel. <laughs> they act like that pastor can't be trusted or, can't, or is not trustworthy or, or they're all out to get you. You know, like a woman who's been abused by a man, and now all men are of the devil. You know what I'm talking about? They just don't trust any man because of someone that legitimately did cause them pain. But, you know, how many understand? They're not all bad. And uh, likewise with pastors, if you, if you come in carrying baggage from some bad experience, well, obviously that needs to be dealt with and let go, and, and then you move into a new situation. On the, on the other side, sometimes people will expect things from their pastor that they saw in some other pastor. Say, well, I know this pastor, man, he was so gifted in this area, and he excelled and so was so successful in doing this. And, and What are you doing? In other words, those expectations are transferred, and they think, well, if this pastor was awesome in this area, then you ought to be awesome in that area too. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? People are gifted in different ways, have different callings and different visions, and, and, uh, and, and so one should not be compared with the other only to the end result of producing disappointments. And so when I talk about these things, uh, understand my reasonings of why I say I say them and why I would desire for things to be this way. Um, that's important for us to be able to receive. And, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to things that a person may see in a church, that they want to be different. They want to function differently or annoys them to, to some level. Uh, a better question than, than asking, well, why do they always do it this way? Why does it always happen this way? How many know that's not solution-oriented? All that does is aggravate you, kind of builds up that resentment of, uh, of the thing that you don't like. And instead, ask a question like this, what can I do to make things better? How can I contribute to make this a better place? And, and, and that's the mindset I think we should all have concerning what God has called us to do together. All right? Don't you want to have an incredible family, an incredible church, and have our influence reach the world and do great things for God? Man, you have a part to play in that. You can contribute to making it that. If you think, I know everything, I don't. I'm praying regularly, <laughs> at least weekly. And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but I'm seeking God and seeking wisdom because I don't know everything, but we're in this as a team. And if we all have that team mentality where together I'm going to be a contribution. And say, what if I have some? I think of something that is negative. If you bring negative stuff in a positive way, it's not bad. Are you listening? And we have, when people have a good attitude and a heart for success in, in God's will, man, great things can happen. Praise God. And so I believe the Lord wants us to work together.
be co-laborers together with him. Amen. Father, thank you so much today. I do pray and ask for each and every person who is here today that they would be right in the middle of your divine and perfect will. May not a person here be left on the sidelines, be, be left in the dugout watching the game. But Father, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to be right in the middle of the action, in the middle of your plan and your purposes. Father, we know that you love us all and that in your love you've placed each one of us in the body as it pleases you. Help us to have a right heart and a right attitude so we can all be among those who help and don't hinder. So we can remove attitudes that would hinder us from being used of you and making our team great. We give you all the praise for this. We believe that you're at work in us now. And we commit to the vision. We say, show us how we can change and adjust and make things better than they've ever been before. Father, I pray for those who've come to Life Church this morning that are not, not yet on the team.